Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. Mix and Toby are not with us, but we are in Studio Breezy. That's Matthew? A, that's a darn shame, by the way. I know, you get an out second in this in this order now. I know, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and we are here with, uh, and I'm gonna, I was going to read your actual title. Uh, Darrell? Yes. Tell me, uh, tell me your actual title, because I can't find it in the show notes that I wrote down. I think it's uh, Director of Communication and Content. Do you like or, that title? Um, it's it's okay. They have you've got to call it something, right? He, he goes, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's probably a good title for LinkedIn, right? Yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, I what if I called you chief storyteller? That's even better. Would That's you like probably that? more descriptive? Yeah. Cool, because I use the word story and storytelling a lot in these show notes, and then I I, I thought about it as we were getting into the podcast, and I was like, uh oh, yeah. What if you don't like that? No, no, no. That's good. Okay, cool. So. Tell us uh, kind of where you're from, where you grew up, and you know, go from there into uh, your soccer journey a little bit, if you would. Yeah, so I, I'll I, I'll do it, but with schools because literally I was telling somebody this uh, the other week. Elementary school, South Georgia. Middle school and high school in uh, East Tennessee in um, Gatlinburg area. You know, everybody knows that, um, and that's where I went to high school. And then after that, went to University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And started my career there, um, got married there, first kid there, and then we moved to Chattanooga in um, 2007. What were you doing in Knoxville besides school? Yeah, after school, I um, I went to school for journalism and broadcasting, and first job was um, at the ABC affiliate in Knoxville, so WATE, and I started there as a uh, producer, and what a producer does is produces, writes, chooses the content for one specific newscast. So, you know, when you're right out of school, you might be on a, you know, a less visible newscast and then you kind of rise through the ranks for different newscasts. So I stayed there for about seven years and at that television station and then moved um, up to assistant news director there, which is essentially the number two of the newsroom, which then opened the door to be um, the news director at the NBC affiliate here in Chattanooga, um, running the news department of WRCB. And so is that why you moved to Chattanooga initially? Yeah, I moved there. Um, my wife had a great job. We had a great network of friends. Everything was good. But um, it was my career goal to be a news director in a top 100 market. And Chattanooga, I think, was like a market 87. And so you only have to move, what, 90 miles? Well, I don't know how far it is. You only yeah. have to move a short distance to get your dream job. It was kind of a no-brainer. And it was it really was a great station with a, with a terrific history and legacy. And um, yeah, so so we moved here in 07 with a three-year-old and a daughter in the womb. I did not tell them that during the interview because <laughs> I was going to be on the company insurance. But once, you know, once everything comes smart, on, like, smart. Right. she's, she's pregnant and I'll be on paternity leave. No, that's, that's fantastic. And very, very smart. Now, how long were you, you said WRCB? Yeah, I was at WRCB for, um, I kind of had a three-year transition out of WRCB. And what that means is in around, I, I want to say 2017, no, Let's see, um, so yeah, around 2017, I decided the grind of being a news director was n incredibly stressful to our family, and I didn't want to keep doing that role. So I approached our president and general manager and said, "I, I, I need, I, I've, I've, we've got to work on an exit plan here." So um, we did that, but before I could actually get to the exit plan, our corporate office offered me a position working on a um, a, a special project that was kind of a pet project of our CEO. Um, a, a social documentary in essence. So I did that for about two or three years after I left um, the news director role. And that kind of, you know, as somebody that kind of went to school to be in news, I love TV. I, I, it was really hard for me to to want to leave that. It's not that I 
I still love storytelling. I still love journalism. Um, so that was kind of a good soft landing for me as I figured out what was going to be phase two in my career. And, you know, as I was leaving that news director gig, everybody was like, well, what are you going to do next? And the honest answer was, I don't know. I just know what I'm not going to do anymore. Um, <laughs> and, you know, covering homicides and reading autopsy reports at your kids' soccer games because there's a deadline coming up was just really a buzzkill. So after a while. Yeah, totally. So then how did you end up at CFC? Um, well, during that time, even while I was at um, NTV, my kids um, played soccer for CFC Academy. And I was just a regular parent who then, you know, volunteered as a team manager, which then kind of gave me an opportunity to, to help on the communication side. Because, of course, people um, within the academy leadership knew what I did for a living. So they're like, Hey, we don't have anybody to do this. Can you help with that? And so just like everything in soccer. Writing press releases and Yeah, writing press releases or, you know, hey any can, possible thing. Anything. Um and <laughs> and by the way, we're not gonna pay you, but can you do it fifty hours a week? Yeah. Can um, you do your professional job that yeah. you went to school for and you're extremely qualified for through your professional job, but look, we're not gonna pay you. Yeah, yeah. And so eventually that that's exactly what it was. And then it became um, you know, paid side hustle. Um I was like, Yeah, I'll do this, but but my wife's always been in my ear about not saying yes to too much free work. I mean, and so <laughs> smart woman. Yeah. So she's like, you know, I, I know you love this, but that's a slippery slope. Like, like even if it's a little bit just on principle, you know, you, you can't just keep saying yes because people will just always ask you to do that. So it, that that's what turned it into a little bit of a paid side hustle on the Academy. And, um, I, um, at, at that time, the Academy wasn't even selling sponsorships. Not really. Um, we didn't even have anything on our Jersey that was paid for. And interesting. I, yeah. So I felt like that was low hanging fruit. And I was like, I have a few connections through my job in TV. And I think, you know, these sponsors would be open to it. I mean, again, you rewind. That was the first team and the Academy weren't necessarily working together like they are today. So we were a little bit on our island on an island with that kind of stuff. Yeah, It was more of a branding deal. It, it really was. I think yeah. we've, I think we've told that story on this podcast, like previous to uh, the last few years, like bef before CFC's transition to pro essentially, yeah. like, it was they brought the academy together, and I can't remember if it was a Sheldon's podcast. That, anyway, I think that so they told the story of basically like, look, they came to a bunch of youth clubs and were like, hey, mm -hmm. will you take our name, and like we'll just like kind of work together, but you know basically it's a branding deal. Like you take our name and we, you guys don't fight as much maybe, mm -hmm. and then maybe someday we get players, but you know there was no like. I think that's exactly the way uni it was. uniting the five families. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. Or trying to. I'm pretty sure that's kind of what. Yeah, I think there, it might have been the five clubs. And yeah, and I, 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 the first couple of sponsorships I sold, um, were were big dollars for the academy at the time, and I think that opened a lot of people in the academy side's eyes to be like, wait a minute, there there's value in here, which you know it's a nonprofit that just goes right back into scholarship and kids, right? And, I mean, it really making does. it making the academy better, making it better, and and you know. And, and now Jersey sponsorships are, you know, they, they sort of sell themselves because, you know, what business wouldn't want to be, well, certain types of businesses want to be in front of, you know, 600, 700 families and in the laundry pile every single day um, or a couple times a week. And so it, it was a, it was a low hanging fruit and I kind of came in and, and took care of a lot of those things and kind of helped the Academy's budget. Um, so How did uh, really, really inside baseball. How did you come up with the idea of saying in the laundry pile? Because that's a brilliant way of describing the like painting a, a, a picture. Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a parent, 
so I see that jersey. I see that dirty training top. Um, I'm washing it. I'm folding it. My wife's washing it, folding it. And it, it's, I, I really just kind of, that helped me in the beginning as I was still, I, I felt more like a parent that could offer something than I was like some insider that knew all the, you know, ins and outs of the club. And so early on, I just kind of told the story to potential, I think EPB was one of the first ones um, that, that went on there. And I, I just kind of, explained to them literally that and <laughs> actually did the math of how many times whatever the math is is three times a week it's in the pile hopefully getting washed each time times, <laughs> times like, this many players and you think about what people pay to uh, send junk mail to your mailbox and the reason they pay a lot is because even if you're gonna throw it in the trash you're gonna touch it for five seconds you're gonna see it you, yeah. may not, you may not think it impacted you but that junk mail actually did make an impression on you and that has a lot of value Add, add something as intimate as being in your laundry pile. Um, and, you know, first team, that's not, that's not the message, right? It's, it's not about Jordan washing the, the, the kit. It's about it being seen on, on television and media and stuff like that. But for the academy, it's really more about the value it brings to those families. I love it. That's, that's really cool. Such a great such a great way of framing that. Yeah, absolutely. So sponsorships are always available if anybody's listening. Um, <laughs> it's a good way to be literally inside the most some of the most intimate parts of a family's decision making. Yeah, and to be also in front of like at, at tournaments and all the other things yeah. too. Yeah, that's just added value. And that's the thing like that's just why sorry, it hit me because you, you describing that is a different way than I would have approached it, mm. which is such a I don't know, it's just su- such an I think that says something to maybe why you're good at it. And we'll get into what kind a lot of what you do. I think you look at things maybe a little bit differently than than I do or than the average person does cuz that's a it, it kind of like how comics tend to comment on life in an absurdist way that makes you think yeah, of things differently. Right. I feel like what you just described is a very like absurdist in a good way. Look at like the the traditional pitch for advertising. Sure. Yeah. So siblings growing up. Yeah, I've got uh, a y- younger brother who's like what thirteen months younger than me, so it's almost like a twin. Oh yeah, you know? and um, could not be more different. He's kind of <laughs> you know he's an entrepreneurial spirit. Started and failed. 20 plus companies and, you know, small companies and, and just, um, that that's, I'm not that risk taker. I want more, I want to know what my one year, five year plan is going to be. Now, what did he, what did he think when you, uh, when you left your big cushy corporate gig and, uh, or not I, cushy yeah. might not be fair, but the big corporate <laughs> sure. gig and, uh, and decided you were going to, cause I mean, we haven't even gotten to where, how you ended up in the, with the first team at CFC with the pro side. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people who know me well, um, were extremely surprised because they know how much I loved television. They much how much I love journalism. Um, and I, I think shock was pretty, I mean, even, even all the way up to my, my parents are like, I mean, they, they were never worried about whether I was going to do something else and, and try to find success. It was more surprised that I left something that I loved so much. Um, but I would describe that was a, I, I loved it. It was a great season in my life. It's not, I would never go back to it, but I would also not have changed doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that was that's part of my story, but it's it's in the past. Can it's, I can I interrupt uh, a little bit because I want to ask a couple of kind of like newsy journalism questions. Okay. Uh, while while we have you here, beautiful. Uh, what's maybe a couple of the biggest misconceptions that people might have about the news media, and maybe the people that do news media? Um, I would say bias, and here's why. Well, first of all, we're all biased, right? But collectively, for people to think that a bunch of, or 
that 10 or 15 journalists sitting in a room could concoct a plan to slant the news one way or another is just naive. Um, it's if, if bias happens, it's, it's way less, it's more subtle. It's because you've hired the wrong people. You've not hired a diverse group of staff. You've hired all people on the left or all people on the right. But to think that there's this conspiracy going on behind closed doors to shape the news, at least on the local level, um, is couldn't be further from the truth. Okay. Um, I would say a misconception, actually it's a, it's a, what's the opposite of a conception that that is accurate that I think I could only admit now that I've been out of it and can kind of see it with clearer eyes is unfortunately there is a, there is a, I guess a desire, if you will, to, to, to keep negative stuff in the news because it really does increase ratings. Um, and <laughs> if it bleeds, it leads. And that's, yeah. And I think I'd have been very defensive of that when I was in it. Um, I was like, no, it's, we're telling it because that's the story and we have to tell what's happening. Um, it's, we, in a sick way, would, would almost get it, not, a, it's hard to say excited over tragedy, but we, we were opportunistic over yeah. tragedy. And that is true. And I would think I would have defended that when I was inside. But now that I can look out, I'm like, you know, the, you know, uh, an inch of snow becoming a blizzard yeah, yeah, yeah. was on purpose because we knew that would whip people into a frenzy. Yeah, especially in this town. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like everyone... Everyone slows down when they when they drive past a car crash, right? Yeah, not just for safety. In fact, for sure, usually they go way slow. Yep, uh, and there's always a reason for that. What uh, what would be what would be something that the news media often, uh, I guess, forgets when it comes to like, uh, like real life? Oh, that that that's easy. We spend so much time covering city council meetings, um, interviewing CEOs, and Forgetting the people who are watching the news are are um, paycheck to paycheck may have had their you know electricity turned off the week before. I mean, being out of touch with um, working class regular people and almost becoming a elite may be too strong of a word, but um, in a in a different segment of our demographic than who's actually consuming our content, living in a different plane of it, reality. It is, yeah, and. Um, I, I wish reporters, there's not time to do it, but if you could require them to kind of embed in some of these small towns. Um, I mean, they, they do that by covering their stories, but not in a real authentic way. They're just trying to make their deadline for the night. And the way you get promoted is to move to a bigger market in yep. three years when you're a reporter. We have a, a friend that was here for a while, James Torres. I don't know if you were, yeah, if you knew him. I remember him. But James, like, he explained to us, like, hey, this is the only way you make a big jump in your career is you just go market to market to market to market. Mm -hmm. If you want to, you know, you don't stay in the same market as a reporter for yeah. a long time unless you just happen to get a really good gig real early or yeah. get an anchor spot or something. Exactly. That yeah, if you if your if your goal is to make more money or a lot more money, you sometimes have to move. If you can't rise through the ranks within your organization. Yeah. I mean like he went to he went to West Palm Beach and then started anchoring a little bit there yeah and then within what like one or two years like made a huge jump to san francisco it's way easier today than it than it used to be those jumps didn't happen 20 years ago but um you know like when i first got to channel three i kind of had this unwritten rule that i wouldn't hire anybody right out of college um i i felt like they needed to have been somewhere first um 
I eventually started hiring people right out of college because you you have to because the ones who have been somewhere first are going to San Francisco. Yeah. They're not coming to Chattanooga anymore. Right. Um, they're skipping us and going even more. So that that changed a lot in our industry. Not to mention you've really, if you have that view, you miss out on some good talent that does deserve to be right, right. out of college. Sure, but I, I was just getting that that I think it probably that structural thing that happens often makes it a little bit harder for you to embed in and connect to your community when you're kind of sure. transient by nature. Yep. And, you know, we would sign reporters to like a two-year contract. So what do you think they're doing after year one? They're working starting, on their tape the for search. their next one. Yeah, they're starting the search. So It's, it's a lot like lower division soccer players. Yeah. It, I, I, I see a lot of similarities with that. It's like the, 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 the viewers get used to a reporter they like and then they're gone. The fan base gets used to a player that they like and we spend a lot of time trying to, you know, help the help the fan base fall in love with these players yeah and it's not like mpsl where you really would see the same players come back every summer and it's almost like a family reunion which was also incredibly rare for uh like for the amateur soccer Even, like we, we were we were a unique bird we were an anomaly yeah how did you uh transition from academy to first team um or, or first team men's team and now it's obviously just the whole club yeah exactly. team and everything but well it, i think it, it happened around last summer around june so jeremy um he and Sheldon hold two of the seats on the Academy board, which is how I got to know them so well. And Jeremy was able to become more familiar with, with what I was doing. And, um, I, I, I think the, the board of the, of the first team, um, really saw an opportunity to do more on the communication side and on the content side as we moved um, into pro. So, um, Jeremy just asked if, you know, he and I met a couple times about what it would look like. And, um, I was, um, finishing this documentary, I was um, helping this organization called Soccer Parenting. It's a national organization. Um, is it the, is that the one that teaches parents like how to be yeah, good soccer yes. parents and like, not yell at the referees? Don't, don't scream at the refs. Don't it. scream at your um, coaches. Don't yep. scream at your kids. Yeah, they were behind the, the sideline <laughs> project. Sky Eddie, who um, her her claim to fame. <laughs> well, she has many. Um, she'd kill me if she knew that this was her. This is the story I'm telling. But she, <laughs> I, Mia Ham's last collegiate game um, in that final. I think Sky played for a. George Mason, maybe. Um, but anyway, Mia scored like six goals on Sky that, that <laughs> game. So, um, but that anyway. Ruh-roh. So I was I was doing some of that. Um, so Jeremy knew I was kind of stretched thin, but he's like, "Hey, let's w- would you do this?" And and so he and I met, and it kind of materialized from there. So the answer to your question is because the first team and the academy became more connected, it made me maybe more visible to people in the front office, and um, the timing just was was perfect. So you went kind of from your dream job in the sense like professionally achieving your perfect top professional goals to going what's next. And then you, I mean, is it fair to call this a little bit more of a passion project or a passion job? hundred percent. If it wasn't for my wife, I might do it for free. Um, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> and thank God she's helping you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's like, only, honey. Yeah. Um, but we've talked yeah, about this. It is like it, it, I, I know people say this about jobs they love, but it, it really doesn't feel like work. I mean, I was, I was the one sitting in the stands, you know, and I love this club. Like all of you guys love this club and everybody listening probably loves this club. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. I have a, a bit of a nerdy question and, and maybe you kind of answered it earlier with saying like you know, the stuff you had to read while you're at your kid's soccer game. Maybe you're just numb to it, but I assume that you're on social media a lot now. Yeah. Um, how do you, I mean, you may not see it this way, so you feel free to reject the premise of the question, but how do you keep away from the negativity that tends to be just the social media world. Like, how do you find balance with uh, running a brand where you have to be up on the latest 
not just trend, but news, what's going on, how things work on social media, what people are talking about so you stay relevant. like Feedback. Feedback. And then actual, of course, feedback, positive or negative. Like, How do you stay balanced? Or maybe you reject the premise of the question. No, I, I think I think numbness is a great way to put it because when I first started um, um, being one of the people running the CFC accounts, of course, it's following accounts that I wasn't necessarily following before, like including some of you guys um, and some, some fans of other clubs that may sometimes not like us or might um, say bad things about us. And when I first started reading some of that stuff in my timeline, it was kind of, it kind of, the innocence was lost a little bit. Like, what do you mean CFC did this and you didn't like it? Like I was in this bubble of CFC can do no wrong. And so at first it did bother me. Um, and cause it was kind of like a reality check, but over the months I have become a little bit more numb to it. It doesn't, it doesn't penetrate like it used to. Um, when people get mad at us, except for recently when we lost that, that semifinal match, um, and you know, the game's over, everybody's dealing with their emotions on the field. And then, uh, you know, I'd open up the club's account 30 minutes, maybe after the final whistle and seeing some of the negativity from our own fan base, that was hurtful because I know how bad the guys were hurting and the coaches yeah. were hurting. And I actually told my wife when I got home. I mean, I'm a sports fan. I've probably teed off on a team I didn't that made me mad or whatever, and I've probably said stuff about this player cost us the game because I did that. I will never, ever do that again. Mm -hmm. um, after I saw how that – it's the first time I've been on the inside of something like that yeah, and felt it, and n no fan in 109 or any other section hurt worse that night than those guys in the locker room. And I've heard coaches say that before. I don't think I ever believed it. I thought it was just coach speak. It, they were hurting. And so it was really kind of a bummer to read that stuff. And hey, that comes with the territory. They know that. They're professionals. I'm not saying that people shouldn't do that. But to your question of how does it affect you, it it does. Um, maybe over the years, I would be numb to it. Maybe if you asked me this question in three or four years and we have a big loss, um, it wouldn't bother me. But that that first one did. Um, and I remember texting Charlie, who helps also with social media, some some. <laughs> stuff about our fan base that I wouldn't want to repeat because it, it it was painful and it's like sure just take 12 hours and then and then would you say that would you say that stuff 12 hours later no you wouldn't we recorded two podcasts and like in within a week just because it was our we recorded therapy. the podcast we record, we recorded the podcast 16 hours later because we're idiots <laughs> but but you, I remember listening to that one and it wasn't it wasn't out of line I mean it, th these were these were some comments that were just yeah sheer yeah. emotion and yeah I'm like oh I think I, write that in your journal, man. Yeah, it's that's what that's why we do this. And and this is that's the, what kind of the emotions you're describing are they're different for me. But like that's some of the reason I'm not on Twitter anymore. Yeah. Like and now Twitter's its own beast because it and right now it's a, it's especially different. I, I understand, but it's like it's a really negative place. Yeah. And I got to a point with um we, during it was during the pandemic where it was just too much negativity on my life as a social media thing. Um, and I've so we when we I didn't I had the privilege that you don't have, which is when we hit the end of the season there that night, like my Instagram usage, which is already not that high, mm -hmm. is down to almost zero. Like I don't use Facebook that like I'm kind of off social media because I don't. Yeah, like that stuff, that stuff affects me. It bothers me. Yeah. Um, and it's not just the negativity because like stupid people are going to stupid and then also like hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So like there's a there's a piece of that. But if you if I hit if I catch too much of it by osmosis like it bothers me mm -hmm. like if i if i scroll on facebook for a while at some point because 
similar to the news thing we were talking about earlier, Facebook's algorithm rewards in engagement, right? It does. So it rewards negativity because you tend to engage with things that make you mad. Yeah. Um, and so like if I scroll on Facebook for a long time, I get negative. I can't imagine doing what you do and having to, number one, take things seriously because like feedback matters. And then also like be aware in the ether of what's going on. Yeah. Like, and the, go crazy. You know, the challenge with, with helping manage a, a brand account is we can't ignore it. Like if it's my personal Twitter, I can just choose not to pay attention for a couple of days, give, you know, cleanse. You can't do that with a brand account because you don't know whether or not you have to do a lot of social listening. You have to make sure that, um, you know, there isn't something we need to either address or, you know, address publicly or privately kind of a, adjust our strategy, you know, based on that feedback. Do you ever put up any walls for yourself? Like, okay, from eight o'clock on, I'm not checking this or I'm putting my phone down and I'm not opening these. Like, do you, do you ever take any time off? It's, if I do, it's very short periods of time. Like it may, like, um, you know, like I might watch Netflix with my wife and make sure that the phone is literally upstairs because it's too tempting. Um, yep. but my breaks are not more than a couple hours and I know that's bad. Um, but it, it can't be unless somebody else is kind of watching the store. Yeah. You, you just can't. Mm. Um, that's well, the, the irony is one of the reasons I got out of news is the 24 seven was just not good headspace for anybody to be in. right and now i'm sort of feel 24 7 although it's if you're going to be 24 7 on something being a club a sport you love is not the worst thing in the world but it does feel 24 7 i'll be honest yeah i think i think you and matt actually have some of the same um i don't i can't do it 24 yeah. 7 i have to take breaks matt is better he copes a lot better than i do with notifications mm -hmm. um so like i tailor my notifications on my phone because i can to you know get rid of stuff. Whereas like Matt keeps almost all notifications on. <laughs> yeah. So the way, the way I do it now is and he manages the chat hooligan brand account, just the Twitter account. He doesn't manage every piece of the whole thing, which mm -hmm. is probably a little bit easier, but Twitter's yeah. the, I think the heaviest lift. Yeah. Well, and I, so for me personally, and that's, you know, sometimes that news doesn't always get out to people that I, I actually do that. But a lot of, a lot of my strategy is I don't get notifications uh, pushed to me yep. from the, from the brand account. Uh, just from your personal account? Just from my personal account. Yeah. And and I I get brand notifications from the from the one oh nine the section one oh nine podcast account too now that I finally figured out how to get on it. because <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not actually the best person. He's the he's this. the most technological he's the, the the most technological old man ever. Mm. Yeah. Matt's eighty five years well, old like on the, the inside. The way like I volunteered to do it because we needed someone to do it. Yep. Uh, when it came to the brand account. For and, the chat hooligans. Yeah. And I don't mind doing it because it's it's important. Uh, and like I just have, I can I can just I can absorb a bunch of feedback and yeah. sometimes just ignore it. Sometimes just say you know pass it on or or, or whatever, and it just doesn't really bother me that much. He doesn't yeah. take it personal like I take it personal. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't uh, manage the same notifications or the same feed. But can't like, do it. All, all too what, sensitive. What's most important for me is that I don't I don't want to get notifications. So I don't allow myself to get notifications, mm -hmm. but like the little the little red icon with the number does pop up as yeah, as it does, yeah. and then like periodically it won't be like a every second it comes to me I have to look, mm -hmm. but periodically I just check in see see what's up see what's going on, yep. and uh and and I think that's a good that's a good strategy yeah and and like you know I think we're we're delving way too far I think in, into into like Twitter brand account management or whatever. But for me, like we don't have, oftentimes we don't have like anything we're trying to get out other than like, you know, there's the game this weekend or this other thing's going on, mm -hmm. you know, come and join us, be there, whatever. 
you know, we we we're, we're getting. I think I think we're we're rightly, at least at this point in time, trying to let all the people do the 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 general stuff. So like people talking about it on their own accounts, maybe amplifying some of that. Sure. Uh, well, and less be, and being less brand heavy. Here's yeah. here's the other piece. CFC didn't used to tell many stories and yeah. didn't used to even fewer of those stories were told well. And there's a really really big shift uh, directly since you got involved um, into CFC being very much not only telling stories, which was the first step, and like there's been a progression. Like there's been there's been piece by piece, they've gotten better and better and better. But big change since you got involved in, a, in, the, in all in a good way. But for a long time, we were the ones we were the ones the having to tell the story, and yeah. like so, there's less of a there's genuinely and like there's very probably very few like people that feel this. But some of us we've talked about it like feel this very heavily. Like there's a big weight off our shoulders because we're not the only ones like. Because it used to be we had, I mean, the reason in the Chad Hooligan app there is a roster is because CFC didn't have a roster that was properly updated on the website for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's that's a very small thing, but like, there was many, many things. We, we created Facebook events every single time because the club didn't have good ones for a long time. Yeah, and that's... And it's all basic stuff, but like, is. and then you've taken that, a bunch of those, those things were already solved by the time you got involved for the most part. Yeah. But like, there's many, many things that now we don't have to do. We can just... Like just just get excited on, about the game, yeah, and just, you guys are telling player stories. You guys are telling like, you know, all these other things that like, I don't know. It's different. It's, it's, it's really it's, really good. I think for us, it, it's allowed us to go back to basics and go back to, um, to, to doing the things that made the Chattahooligans and CFC in the early days fun. Yeah, like you know, doesn't matter what you're doing with your life or, or what's going on that week, and and it doesn't require a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Like. We're going to be here at this time, you know. Come tailgate with us if you want. Yep. You know, come to the section if you you know if you want to. Cheer. Let's yeah. party. Let's go to you know. Let's go to the bar afterwards and 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 greet the players. Like we've really gotten back to basics, yeah. uh, in a lot of ways, and and I think it's a direct result of like having like like you said, breezy, like having that weight kind of off our shoulders and that responsibility yeah. off our shoulders. And to be honest, I mean, I I. I've I've heard people say, well, 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 since you came, th- this is better, and n- not to like try to sound humble, but the the reality is the board of CFC decided this was an important position to have and to fill, and if they're going to move into being professional, whether it was me or whether they put somebody else in the role or 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 anything, it was going to get better because CFC as a, as a board and ownership group decided mm. we. If, if we're going to take ourselves seriously, like part of being a professional club is you have to tell these player stories. You have to keep the fans engaged, even when you don't have a match that week. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think that's a huge testament to where this club is headed. The fact that they have the vision and um, the risk tolerance to, to, to add these kind of positions. You know? mm, yeah. And I don't want to like, I don't want to like, I'm not shitting on anybody that came before you. Like people did great work. Like yep. Charlie did great work, still does good still work. Does, right. Yeah. But the point being is like there was I don't think there was as much attention which is what you just said like and as much money behind it um, and it's it's been incrementally better but I think the steps forward are just a lot larger sure. um, since we got a storyteller in chief there we go. which is what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call you <laughs> updating that LinkedIn today yeah you you should just call yourself storyteller in chief uh, let's just switch gears here a little bit favorite all time CFC moment as a fan oh my god um, I can't say the national championship game right because that's, that's i mean everybody. it's cliche but you can yeah um it's probably it's probably still mine actually, you know I, maybe you guys are going to know which game it was but it was the um miami match um grega had the the thumb in the mouth the game winner yeah the thumb in the mouth like you basically 
took his dentures that were tried to Miami United 2016. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um, yeah. And more recently, watching that Oakland Roots match when we were first professional, I mm-hmm. remember I watched that from home and thinking, wow, we, I mean, after all the club had been through in that previous few months, I was like, we're, we're like on real TV now and, and nothing against the YouTube live streams. Thank God we had that in those, those early days. But this was like for me the first time listening to a neutral announcer call a match um, versus an in-house supporter calling a match and it felt it felt legit so that was kind of a a, a neat moment where i felt like we really are turning the the page as a club were you moved as we were by the raymond lee uh nutmeg in the box in his in his his defensive box (laughs) maybe not as moved as you but (laughs) but um because rayleigh will forever be a cfc legend for playing uh in, Ninety in, minutes oh, yeah. of one game. Yeah. yeah. Right. In, in fact, since you uh, since you do control like some some content, I think you need to go back to to the video. We need archives. to republish that, don't we? Yeah. We we need we need to get the video archives on that game so you can you can take that clip because it's very very close. Yeah. Uh, like I think there's actually a gif out there that that Jay did, uh, and and we just need to we just need to have that for like yeah. <laughs> certain off season boring time. Or, moments. Or, or yeah yeah, it's a good memory and it's also just a good reply to somebody when you if you want to like own somebody in a nice way. Right. You know like, you got like Rayleigh. a random like a random Friday like rolling into the weekend like roll rolling the rolling the ball <laughs> through somebody's legs. Um, yeah, okay, I love that. That's a great shout. Um, how early on do you find out about signings and when are you going to tell us what they are? <laughs> I <laughs> I I know you have to know things right now because. No, number one, like things have to be getting close because yep. we grilled Jeremy about this earlier this week. But also number two, like they got to write like press releases and 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 the whatever version of the press release is out there now um, instead of an actual press release. I, so how early do I know? It's uh, I mean it's it's pretty early um, because we I mean from from when they actually sign. I don't know I don't know any player that we're talking to before we sign them. Um, yeah, I find out. I mean I might know we're talking to a player from this particular club. That's about as much as I know um, until it's signed. And once it's signed, I mean, if I asked, I'm sure they would they would tell me. But I just try to you know stay in my lane on that. But once they sign, um, I found I find out pretty instantly. And then and then we start putting on a calendar of when we're going to announce. How does like, that? Because like, sorry, uh, I, I was just thinking about seeing some of the signings we made, uh, in, in which would have been your first off season working for the club. You know, there were there were highlight packages, yeah. and Breezy's still pissed about the Ian Sarah one because it's he scored on us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> those were all of his highlights. I mean, <laughs> that was cruel to put that as the first highlight, uh, yeah. but it was a great goal. So you're you're, you're level. You're wonderfully non emotional about it, and I was still emotional about it. Still am. <laughs> you're right. You're correct. And by the way, most people saw that goal. I'm like, oh shit! Look, what a good goal, and didn't notice it was against us. Yeah. Promise. But I knew. Yeah. Well, I, that was also like the low point of our of our season. I will say that I remember that edit specifically, and the, <laughs> the our our goalkeeper who was scored on for that. I mean, it was a it was one of these moments where the, the goalkeeper, I think it was Nick Nelson actually, um, in that particular match, but he had one of these reactions that just looks totally defeated. Well, I cut the highlight so that didn't like highlight his reaction <laughs> good, good, to getting good. scored on. That's so there was some thought behind, yeah. let's not like pour salt in this, but let's show the goal. Yeah. 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 No, you, your take is completely reasonable and good and I still hate it, yeah. but like, <laughs> you know, that's my, that's my own feelings. Um, but how does the process work for you when you go, I mean, I'm, this podcast is nothing if not super nerdy when you hear, okay, we're signing X player from X team. What was your first move to start crafting the story of either telling who they are or finding highlights, or how does that work? Um, it's going to be a lot more efficient this year because um, I'll tell you kind of how we did it. I mean, last year it kind of started with 
Google and stalking their social media, finding their, <laughs> um, you know, finding what we could about or what I could about them and finding any highlights, any photographs I, I could find. This year we have a little bit, um, I'm kind of in the process of implementing some procedures to where we get some content um, versus me spending four hours of Google research on a player I had never heard of before I found out we signed him. So we need to be, we're trying to take that next step yeah. to do that. So um, last year the process was just stalking the same way you guys would stalk a player um, and then try to make some clips look like we are somewhat professional. <laughs> some, sometimes, depending on where these guys are come, coming from, the content available about them is yeah. not that strong. You know? Yeah, you're, you're going, what can I share? Yeah, and, and we're sensitive to not make one guy look, you know, like a world beater and the other guy looked like he just came from, you know, right. There's going to be like a, a, a standardization. Level yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. So that we kind of keep the, the fans excited about all these signings. Yeah. And it's, and it's why Ian Saro, you start with the highlight against it's us because it's good foot. It's good footage. It's against us. And he only had a, a handful of goals yeah, for yeah, them. He had, he had three goals. Yeah, three goals. Him, yeah. So. so, and I think there's three goals in the highlight tape, which <laughs> yeah. is like, I mean, like you don't have a lot to choose from. So sure. it, it is the right move. It's, yeah. Still hurts. Still sucks. Yeah. Still hurts. Still hurts. <laughs> uh, you've been watching the world cup. Yeah, well, uh, watching a lot of it. I get to um, work from home or work from CBC or, you know, so yeah, I've been watching uh, most of it, actually. Beautiful. Oh, I just remembered. We spoke uh, pre-show, and you have a great story for how you named your dog. Uh, yeah, my dog is uh, named Lazio. So I, my wife and I, we knew we were getting this dog a couple years ago, um, I guess maybe five years now. Um, and we were, um, we had a trip planned to, to Italy and knowing this dog was coming, we're like, we don't know, we're going to name it, but while we're there, let's just see what happens. Like, let's just see if a name comes to us, see if we see this cool Italian word or something like that. So, uh, we were going to the Lazio Roma, Roma match and liked both of those names and whoever won the match was going to be his name. So, um, and then I later found out, I don't, you guys probably know this, but, um, Paul Rustan, who's kind of the, the original brand manager of, of this club and, and board chairman, um, he designed a lot of those early. He has a lot of influence from from that club. And so a lot of the early CFC designs, and even to this day, Paul will tell you, he will look at what they're doing for some inspiration. So um, there's a CFC connection by accident with, with my dog. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's beautiful. Yeah, Paul and I share the the Italy love because I lived in Florence for two years. So yeah. that's like, yeah. And to find out all the random pieces of like, he manages to weave Italy throughout his whole life. And mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Sorry, that was completely out of the blue, but I just remembered. Uh, who's your team in the CFC office pool? Uh, Serbia, and we're done. Oh, man. So um, it's, I, you know, Sam Click, who is works in ticketing, did the, the, the draw. And when I got the list of who I had, I immediately went to see who Sam had. And he had somebody bad too, so that that kind of saved him. <laughs> so you decided it was probably legit pool. Yeah, uh, probably pool. legit. And you know, Jeremy had Iran, so I, you know, I knew he wouldn't have. That's fair. Stuffed the box on that. It's a good point. <laughs> yeah. um, so speaking of the World Cup, do you look at Fox and how they're telling stories and how they're doing the World Cup at all, and and think about that maybe differently than any of us are thinking or take inspiration or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah, or but, or any other like leagues and how they do, you know, or television stations how they do their stories too. I think what. It might be somewhat controversial to the listeners of, of this podcast, but I I appreciate the way that Fox is trying to tailor their storytelling to a broader audience. They recognize that you have people that don't know much about the sport at all. Um, they're not trying to appeal to somebody who knows everything about every rule. Um, 
it, it's a it's a balance because you also don't want to talk down to people who do understand the sport and you know follow the sport but you also can't be too elitist in the way you cover it so i i i I don't have a problem from a storytelling and from a content standpoint with the way they are approaching the World Cup. I I, I know probably opinions are, are split on that, but I think it's actually pretty smart and it's good for our sport to bring in new people. Yeah. Um, and and if and if it takes dumbing it down, so to speak, then we should dumb it down. Um, and because not many of us, myself included, you know, have always been an expert or even a pseudo expert at this sport. Yeah. And so it's easy the more you become knowledgeable about it to to feel like oh the you know that's a that's a baseball fan. They can't really understand this. Um and so I I I I like the broad appeal. What you have to remember is Fox is broadcasting to an entire nation. They're not broadcasting to a soccer pod. Yeah. And so it has to be a completely different message and I think you you know probably the first time I've defended Fox, but I, I think you <laughs> I think I, I think you they deserve a little bit of slack for trying to make it broad. Have you seen, uh, have you seen the impact of the World Cup in terms of like engagement with with CFC or like kind of a, a general, like a, you know, broadening broadening the message and, and people considering what kind of soccer is out there? Like, yeah. Oh, there's soccer here. Right. I don't know. We've not been able to measure yet whether or not it's having an impact on us, but common sense tells us that if you're in Chattanooga and you are watching the World Cup and you're like, wow, I actually like this sport more than I thought it's a great opportunity for him to realize you have a local club. So what we are trying to do during the world cup, since we're out of season anyway, um, and we don't have those signings to announce is, <laughs> is kind of be ready to essentially have the door open. If somebody, if a new fan to the sport or a new fan to our city is like, you know, Oh, I didn't know we, we had professional soccer here. So hopefully the measurement will, will, will show that, that it's working. I, I know that we've gotten some engagement from, accounts that we don't normally see engaging with us. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of times it is the same 30 to 50 people engaging with our content. We love them. We love those super engagers because that, that you, you've got to have that core, but we have seen new people kind of engaging with our content, um, which we knew would happen. I mean, that's, that happened, I guess it was eight years ago because we weren't. <laughs> weren't yeah. 2014. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I wasn't working in the front office then, but I, we all saw it happened as a result of that world cup so yeah there were huge there were huge crowds yeah there was i mean that was my first year as a as a cfc fan but i was i was coming into the world cup i was at all the cfc games and then like yeah it was huge because mm -hmm. it was in the cultural lexicon at that point yep like you had this big crossover of of things yeah yeah matthew do you want to go to uh storytelling or social media questions or do you want to go to miscellaneous questions uh let's go <laughs> let's go to miscellaneous questions and we'll come back for the end Cool. Uh, jean jackets, yay or nay? Oh, for me, no. I, I did have one in middle school, the OG jean jacket, like back when they were. Did you, they, they came did you double denim it? I, th I bet I did. I think I remember having some, like, <laughs> I think I did, actually. <laughs> and the reason I double denim is that was probably my only jacket. So yeah. if you're yes. going to wear denim, then yeah. yeah. Then, yeah I, but I couldn't pull it off today. I, I, Brett Jones can, though. Yeah, he can. Yeah. Oh, my God. I Who mean, won my, the most stylish poll? Is that is it that out? Brett. Is yeah, it Brett? It was, it was yeah, Brett. And, makes sense. And here, we, we didn't end up putting this on, not because we didn't think people, not because we were trying to hide it. It just we moved on to other content. But um, over the summer, we asked the players, kind of a fun, hey, who's best dressed on game day? And as the guys came out of the locker room before before training, not a single person picked Brett. <laughs> 
yet he landslides, almost landslides by the, by the yeah, fan vote. By the fan vote. That's so funny. I think I think there's some locker room envy of of Brett style. Has there? Uh, I'm sorry, this is a this is completely off off tilt now. Question because you did that the coming out of the locker room style question. Yeah. Are we going to see more of that in in 2023? Yes. Um, like I'm I'm following on Instagram. I'm following. Uh, Xavier University volleyball's account because uh, yeah. I was friends with the I got to be friends with the the former I guess now uh, head coach when I was when I was a student there would go to games and like almost daily when they have practice like they they come out to a question yeah and it's it's just really really fun yeah and I I would love to see more of that selfishly yeah it just it you know it, those things take time but um and you have to physically be there um which I'm, I'm there at least once a week for training. So yeah, we'll, we'll do more. And our interns, which we don't have the one selected for the fall yet. I mean, our interns are really good at that too. Because yeah, it's, cause they're up on those, some of those trends. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just an old guy trying to pretend like I'm <laughs> hip versus they actually are hip, you know, right. aren't, aren't, aren't we all? Yeah. How do you drink your coffee? Do you drink coffee? Oh yeah. It's uh black. Um, that, that's a, that's a newsroom answer if I've ever heard one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In, in a newsroom, a colleague of mine several years ago, because I, I used to do cream, not sugar really, but, but mainly just a lot of cream. And she's like, go one week with it black. You're going to hate it the first day, mm -hmm. maybe first two days. If you commit to doing it a week, she's, she's like, you'll never put cream in it again. And Facts. It it, that's what that's worked for me. She's like, you can actually taste the coffee. You can appreciate it. You're not just drinking milk. And um, no, it's, it's all. And practically speaking, it's easy. You don't have to fix it. You know, you brew it and you drink it. It's like, done. You get it in your veins faster. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I drink. I am also mostly black coffee now. Yeah. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? I don't think I've ever had it. I don't think I ever would try it. It just sounds weird. I'll take that as a win. I'm sure you will. <laughs> <sighs> I, I, this is team. I mean, it's our, our podcast is gen, generally split uh, between the four co-hosts. Uh, yeah. Two two v two and 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 it works well when Matt and I are in here together, and it's mostly us because it's he's a pineapple hater and. I think pineapple on pizza is great. I think all pizza is great, but I think pineapple on pizza is great. I think pizza with anything other than meat is bad, basically. Uh, best Chattanooga pizza spot? Uh, I got to go with Loopy's. Um, hey, there's, yeah. Even though the old, Loopy's old I go to, it is old school, but the Loopy's I go to is in Uldawa, so um, it's still Loopy's. Though, but. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> seltzer versus beer. Yeah. Beer, I don't, I don't think I could do seltzer. Okay. Not against it. Not judging. It might be generational, but you shouldn't spend enough time with Fuller. You didn't. You, you don't spend enough time on on the lake with the seltzer. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is the sun. Oh, so you're you're saying I should I should embrace you, it. You should try it at some point. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm, I think I have tried it. Um, you should go. Okay. You should go a lake day where you have no responsibilities and yeah. then just try a lot of them. Is there like a Bud Light like um, there is a Bud Light. seltzer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I have had one of those. At, I think it was at Neyland Stadium, and the line <laughs> for the real beer was like really long. Yeah. And then so you just you're like I'll just go to this one. This seems shorter. I'll, I'll just drink anything. It's and I ended football. up with that, and it wasn't. It wasn't. I felt I was a little self conscious, but it was. It was good. I think you should not worry about being self conscious. I agree. No, I totally agree. So it's like it's the new Natty Light. Yeah. If or or whatever light beer was the light beer when you were in college. Yeah. Like seltzers are just it is the least amount of stuff to get drunk. Okay. Yeah. And so like the hangover is just not as bad. It's yeah. just simply not as bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people who are sensitive to seltzers if there's something in the seltzer, but in general, like you can pound a bunch of seltzers in the sun, golfing, being on the lake is where yeah. I, I really love it. Uh and but yeah, they don't they taste like television static. I mean it's like a corona light. You can drink yes. 
50 of them and, and not do anything. And be, yeah. and be more sober. Yes. I've, I've also We've discovered, tested that. I, yeah, I've also discovered that like there's there's a huge difference in seltzer versus like the seltzer tasting but with like you know gin or or vodka like a yeah. vodka soda right. like i've i've discovered now and maybe this is partly cuz i'm in my 30s and and things affect you differently <laughs> than they did beforehand but a, a seltzer for me no problems no hangovers not worried about it if i drink a couple just a couple of those canned cocktails like canned cocktail type things yeah. that taste the same as right. the seltzer <laughs> My head hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's re- it's the age. It's really annoying. It's the worst when now knowing which alcohols give you a worse headache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're getting old, dude. But honestly, like that that's a it's almost a life hack. Yeah, figuring out which one doesn't doesn't like, mess you up. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's what I, once I figured out the white claw is like it doesn't fuck me up like other seltzer or like other just alcohols. Yeah. There are other ones too, but like if I drink if I drink mango white claws all day. I will end up with the mildest hangover of anything I could possibly drink just all day drinking. Yeah. Black cherry for me, but yeah. Well, you're also a truly guy. I, I also will <laughs> I, drink I any seltzers. For, I drink Aldi seltzers too. Like I just drink whatever. But I mean, I don't discriminate, but like, yeah. Truly. Like, truly if I can. It, yeah. Truly you don't discriminate. Um, best purchase you've made in the last year, 100 bucks or less. Look, looking for something approachable here. Yeah. So actually I just bought a, a week ago the... Um, men's national team training top, the tie-dye looking thing. Nice. And I was so excited about it. Um, but so I, I wear a medium, so I, I bought a medium. I don't know if you've worn a Nike fitted training top, but it is barely a medium. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's now going slightly, back. It's a slightly yeah. large small. Um, but but I was, yeah, so I, you know, you probably can't wear it in public, but yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, training I'd say top, that. love it, it. It it It's a good, uh, you should get it. It's the one. So Polisic, that's what he's wearing in the famous hospital picture now. So, yeah. So, yeah. You should get it. Yeah. Speaking of that hospital picture, I really hope it's true that he's gonna be back. I yeah. need him to be back. What would you name a boat if you had one, or you might have a boat and already have a name for one? I, mean, I have a boat. I don't have a name. Um, if you were gonna name see. your boat, what would you name it? The, the Cove. We go to the same cove on the lake. So that, that's the first thing that comes. Beautiful, perfect. No, pu- and a lot of people skip that question, so I appreciate that you answered it. Good man. Uh, do you listen to music or podcasts when working out? If you do work out, I do. Uh, w- w- running. That's the only working out I do. Um, but have to have music. Um, I listen to this Nike Running Club app, and so you can pick based on what your run is. If you're doing a 30 minute run, a 45 minute run, um, it's a, a Headspace run, and it'll just kind of feed that to you. Um, but if I'm walking, it's it's a podcast but running it's music do you have to have do you have to have something yes i do i can't because i i i'm gonna hit a wall like you know well everybody hits a wall but i can't go beyond the wall without uh, without something, something. distracting yeah okay yeah I, I think i think that makes you normal um any <laughs> soccer superstitions now you're working in soccer when you show up on game day you got any uh, superstitions have to eat anything have to wear a certain thing or not I, you know i'd say it's a routine i don't know if it's superstition but um uh, this year, the club invested in some new equipment that allows us to capture goals behind the camera or behind or video behind the goals. Um, so I always set those up in the same order. I don't know that I'm being. Su- it probably has now become a superstition. Um, <laughs> yeah, because if you mess, if you don't do it one day and so, or in the same order and something happens, yeah, and then some. Are, so, are we? Are we? We had a lot of goals games, especially at home. Like, have you did? Are you sure that you set him up in the same? Have you gone back and examined time? how you? <laughs> what do you mean? A lot of he's trying to blame you from uh, for any shoutouts that happened at home in case you set them up in the wrong order. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh, I, oh, I got you. Sorry. Um, 
Matt so, and I, are, you can tell Matt and I are very superstitious. Yeah. We, if, if one of us, like, if I wear a jersey one game and we don't score or we don't win, I'm not wearing that same jersey the next week. Yeah. I will, it will eventually make it back in the rotation. Yeah. But it, also, if we lose two or three in a row when I'm wearing the same jersey, you bet <laughs> right. you it's not making it back. <laughs> no. That's- yeah, cool. Um, I figured you probably had some minor super, like, some people swear they don't have any superstitions, but I think they just don't. Uh, yeah, they don't I guess admit that is it. a superstition because if, if you told me I had to do it the other way, I probably wouldn't. And, yeah, there we so go. I guess now, see, it has now evolved into a superstition. <laughs> see, we, all, all we were trying to do there is uh, take our several podcasts of explaining why, like, you know, sometimes results don't go your way and, yeah. like, soccer is soccer and blah, 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 blah. But now we just want to blame it on you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Or on our choices. I mean, I, I changed game day shoes. Oh. Like, I, I'll change whatever. I'll change anything during the season. <laughs> I wore a swimsuit for the first time ever at a game, and I'll never do that again. Or maybe not never, but, but definitely not for a while. Who'd we lose to? Lost to somebody. Was that Flower City? Oh God! It was a rain game. It could have been a draw. It might not have been a win. But I wore a swimsuit because it was going to rain, and yeah. so like I wore like a flowered swimsuit. I, I mean, like I got a lot of comments. Like it seemed like it, it was a good vibe. Yeah. But it didn't work. And <laughs> I'm not wearing it again. <laughs> not, not. I mean, I'll wear it in general, but not to games. Yeah. Not to games. Um. All right, we're running low on time here because I know we all we all want to watch some of that next World Cup. But uh, I have a few social media storytelling questions. Uh, how much do you look at pop culture? Or like social media trends, kind of what's popping when you're thinking about um, the daily content or the weekly content or whatever else. A lot. I mean, it it really kind of all starts with that. Is um, you know, I mentioned social listening earlier, and we do we do a lot of that. Like, I will, um, you know, I'll see what the trending topics are. Like, I know that um, right now we're kicking around ideas. Window might have closed on doing this, but the the Spotify rap, you know, is there. Is there something we can do with that? Um, but you have like a 24-hour window to do that right. before it's just old and you're like late to the party. So um, we have to be quick on that kind of stuff. So um, short answer is we we look at that a lot because um, we're we're trying to what what you want to do is you don't yeah you want to entertain your core, but if you just keep entertaining your core, you're not going to grow. So we're that's that's you want to get engagement from other people. Absolutely, we want to we want to um, add new demos you know, increase demos that are smaller and that's that's one way you do it. Gotcha. Totally. What's your favorite platform to tell stories from? Like what works the best, maybe for your your particular style or or, or whatever? Um I mean for me personally, I I mean Twitter's my go to for me personally. Um for the club, we have really in the past year seen a, a major increase in engagement on Instagram. Um, from Instagram stories, um, Instagram reels. So we're trying to push that um, a little bit more. Um, it's easier to tell stories there. I mean, people on Twitter are, for the most part, there to fight, there to debate, and there's a place for that. But Yeah, the text is the main communicator. Right? Yeah, it is. Whereas Instagram, it's the video the visual, or, the, or the visual thing. Right, right. And you, you, know, you, be, you don't want to be amateur on Instagram, but you don't have to be high-budget, professional in, in some ways there's a lot of data that shows that if it looks too slick and too produced on instagram it does not perform well so this idea of it's got to be shot with a five thousand dollar camera and you know a six hundred dollar microphone i mean you need to be able to hear it you need it you need it to be good quality but it actually sometimes counts against you because it's not real it's not real and that that 18 to 34 year old um, group that instagram appeals to um they don't want i mean i have a an 18 year old daughter and a 14 year old 
And if I show them something, because I, I do sometimes, especially the 18 year old, something that we might be about to publish, I'd be like, does this make us sound too old fashioned or too out of touch or whatever? And if it looks too slick, like I watch them watch it and I can see them checking out. Like if it's, and by slick, I mean overly produced. Yeah. Too many graphics, too much polish, too much shine. And um, I had a mentor of mine who once told me that just because you can add something to content doesn't mean you should. Um, so it's wise words for this podcast. <laughs> That's why I didn't do any edits. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it's, yeah. So I'd say Instagram has been kind of any, I personally don't even use Instagram that much. I mean, I have an account, but I don't, um, I'm not on Instagram that much as an individual, but as a club, we're, we're pushing that more. Instagram is one of the, uh, one of the few places that you can, uh, I can at least still see who follows the club in order. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Very big for us. Yeah. The other beauty of Instagram. It helps our stalking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can see if we have new followers. Oh, yeah. We do tell some of our signees. I, I yeah, look. I'm sure. Yeah. You, you, slow roll that a little bit because we know how it works. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I get a daily update from Matthew. I got updates I, this morning. I, I, I yeah. know. I know within within 12 hours. Yeah. Every single person that follows the club. You have that set up on like some note, of, or you're saying you look. I look. I look. Oh, okay. I, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to set I, I, that up. I didn't know that was possible, but um, <laughs> I'm definitely not smart enough to figure it oh, out. Oh, I'm sure. So there's probably a supporter out there, a Jeff Clymer or somebody that probably would be smart enough to build or already has yeah. a. I'm sure there's a scraper you can just scrape the recent follows off, but yeah. we're not smart enough for that. He just checks it when he thinks of it and then texts me and, and yeah, it, Smitty in the morning. Now, I mean, like, it makes sense that as we professionalize, we want to like have the impact of the signing actually make sense and right. not and not you know preview it early. So we're telling you know signings like, hey, yeah, you know, me and wait a minute. But like back when we were an amateur club, we had no idea, and you sure. didn't get the roster till the first game dropped, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like looking looking who had who had followed the club on 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 Twitter. I guess it was back was back then. Like yeah. it was that's how you useful. figured it out. Yeah, yeah. How do you choose what to share? Is it gut? Is it performance? You mean metrics? other people's content, or no? When you're set, when you're going, I want to tell a story, um, and this isn't like catching a trend and and latching on that trend for the day, which is a different way, which yeah. we've already talked about. But if you're thinking, okay, I want to tell this story about Taylor Gray, yeah. um, why do you pick that? What's the thing that br- usually draws you to those stories? Is it experience? Is it newsroom? Is it something else? There is a lot of of instinct that go- that goes to it. Just, I mean, I, I think half the battle of being a good storyteller is is knowing what is a good story. So some of it is just feel. But I do regularly look at our um, engagement over the last year, last 28 days, last six months, and I will look at things that that worked. And I'm not looking for, to recreate individual posts, but more like trends where I know, okay, um, celebrating a, a great goal with, with high-quality video because we happen to be in the right spot at the right time and the video was good, that worked. Um, and so we'll we'll redo that stuff or, you know, we'll see that that post about Damien, almost anything gets the fan base really excited. So you, you find ways to, to, to showcase that more. So it's a, it's a mix of feel and it's a mix of, um, we're a very data driven club. I mean, do you guys from Rod to Jeremy to our marketing to even the way we do social media, it's not, some of it is spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, but it is pretty data driven. Like we, we, um, even the spaghetti like is a is a data gathering. It is. It's a technique. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Is you kind of, you know, you you get a lot of room to experiment and trial and error, and 
um, and then keep trying to use what's been working. Exactly. Right. So it's more like, well, let's not do that again because like didn't work, didn't engage, yeah. um, but it didn't hurt you. Yeah. It's all in the tracking and then like you said, the data. Yeah. Yeah. As as we wrap up here, uh, I want to I want to ask a question. Uh, what are some stories that uh, we have you and and I guess we haven't got to share yet, and maybe we won't see uh, on social, but you can you can share here. Some stories like just club stories that we we would like to tell that maybe we haven't yet. Yeah, and that work that works well, too. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I've been or a series of stories I've wanted to tell, and, and maybe this will be the year we do, is there's so many supporters that we who go to the games all the time see all the time, we recognize them, even if they're not in 109, but just some of the regulars, and hearing why they come, wh- what a little bit of the same questions you guys ask here, like why are they invested in this club? Why are, why are they coming? I, I don't think I have seen many stories about our supporters, and I'm when I say supporters, I mean outside of 109. Yeah. I mean, just just people who come to these games and spend their money to come watch a game um, is I want to kind of hear from them what makes them love this club so much. Um, And I think that's a powerful one to tell because we hear about them sometimes in the front office and you guys probably hear them too, but it's always pretty, you know, it it is moving to, to hear why they, why they, they love it so much. So that's yeah. something we want to tell more of. I think the Ellie Godin story you guys told this year was that's fantastic. An example of, that's an example of what we are trying to do is to, I mean, I, I just noticed her on, on the stand, you know, and she's so enthusiastic. So, yeah. um, you know, such a magnetic personality. And I don't know her personally, didn't know her personally before that. Um, but I was like, there. I want to know why she's up there. And it starts with just being curious. Yeah. Well, here's to here's to being curious. <laughs> Heck yeah! Well, Drell, thank you for for coming on the show today. Sure, Matthew. Anything else we need to go before? Or we need to go over before we wrap up. Uh, I just want to reiterate uh, one more time that you can you can tell us signings, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. both right now on this podcast and at yeah. uh, any time in the future you choose. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you. I think mid December, um, you should start to see some even new signings, new players you don't. It, Okay. All it's, right. It's coming. There's your, there's and and a big preseason match that I think we're pretty close to announcing that it's going to make people really excited. Cool. All right. All right. That's, All right. that's what we have to look forward to. Okay. A little, little teaser. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Catch up with you soon.